Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for tuning in. And today, we have something a little different. Today's episode is actually an episode of Craig Price's Reality Check podcast. One of the things Craig does is every year at the National Speakers Association, he chooses four speakers to come and sit at a roundtable. He calls it the Speakers Roundtable, and he does a really good job of getting those speakers to share kind of what is on their mind. And, and the topic really this time was marketing, but it goes all over the place. And I was very honored. Craig asked me to be one of the four who would join him for his special episode kind of behind the curtain for the professional speaking world. And I thought it would be great if I could take this episode and actually make it part of cool things entrepreneurs do. So sit back, get ready, and listen to a conversation from myself and four of my really good friends as we talk about the business of speaking and what it really means to be an entrepreneur who is a speaker. Now, before we get started, as always, I got to thank our sponsor of this episode, and I am so proud that, as always, the sponsor of this show is Podfly Productions. If you want to start a podcast, you need to check out podfly.net because Podfly Productions, they do a fantastic job. They, they take all the work out of figuring out how to start a podcast. So jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. And now, here is Reality Check with Craig Price. It's Reality Check with Craig Price. I'm an idiot Four out there. Four minutes in and I'm already wrong. I'm like a monkey. Hello, look at me. You're like a beautiful mind. I'm more like Forrest Gump. So it's <laughs> Craig Price is the man. I knew it. Craig, shut up. It's Reality Check with Craig Price. This week, it's my annual Speakers Roundtable. Welcome to the podcast. If this is anything like past roundtable episodes, I'd like to welcome all the new listeners who have stopped by to check this week's episode out. I think I've put together a good group to chat with today. But before I get to our guests, I want to thank the good folks over at MicroSearch. Uh, while they are not a sponsor for today's show, they did help me get the mobile unit ready uh, that I used to record this particular episode. Uh, their customer service was top-notch, and I suggested if you are in the Houston area, to head over to microsearch.com for all of your audio, video, and photo rental needs. They've got a great team, and I just wanted to thank them for all they did to get this episode to you. So, what is Reality Check? Well, it is a place to come to learn about the real story behind an industry, an expertise, or an idea. Nothing shows off what Reality Check is like my annual roundtables. I bring together some of the best speakers out there to sit down and have a frank yet fun discussion about things affecting the speaker industry, things that are affecting our businesses, and things that are affecting our lives. This year's group are all past guests, and I was fortunate to be able to gather everybody in one place. We usually start with a topic and go from there, and this year, marketing was suggested by several listeners. So if you're ready, welcome to the main event. Let's get ready to podcast! 
in intelligence and logistics. She's got a master's degree in history and economics and a PhD in economics. She's weighed in on her leadership book, Why Leaders Fail, in episode 191. Let's hear it for Mary, Dr. Commander Kelly! Checking in from the cheese capital of the world, our next speaker is an accomplished artist, prolific father, and all-around nice guy. He's devoted his life not only to his wife and partner Kim, but to defeating adult-itis and escaping adulthood. From episode 168, Jason the Cure Koteke! Our next speaker is making his fifth appearance on the podcast, a professional Masters of Ceremony, motivational speaker, and the author of 11 books that include the power of business development, networking, entrepreneurship, legal marketing, and presentation skills. He also hosts the popular Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast from Austin, Texas, and episode 164, 148, 59, and way back to episode 9, the crafty veteran, Tom, the conference catalyst, singer! And our returning champion, also making her fifth appearance and third round table, hails from California via Texas. She's a listener favorite and beloved by all across the country. A social diversity speaker who is definitely goodenoughnow.com with a reality check record of episodes 135, 162, and 27. Let's hear it for the reigning champion, Jessica Pettit! Y'all ready for this? Are you ready for this? Because I certainly am. So let's celebrate my birthday today, August 23rd, with one of my favorite things that I love to do on this podcast, a Speakers Roundtable for 2016. It's, we're in Phoenix. It is hotter than hell outside. It's about 115 now. The room we're in is air conditioned and it's about, what, 89, mm. maybe 90. The hallways, this is at the JW Marriott, are nice balmy 94. <laughs> I, I, it's like an oven when you open it. So I picked some great folks for our annual round table. It's always, people always ask me about it. They're, I've had people tell me last month who's gonna be on, who's gonna be on. And I picked some great past guests and we'll go around the table. My first guest, we got Mary Kelly, who was the most recent person on the podcast. And fantastic. Mary, say hello. Hey, it's Mary. And uh, Craig was kind enough to have me on the podcast so I could talk about my brand new book, Why Leaders Fail, which first is co-authored with, <laughs> with Peter Stark. First plug of the day. All there right. And of course, the, the one who drew me with the biggest bags under my eyes in the history, because that seems to be my defining caricature. <laughs> uh, Jason Kotecki is here. I'm glad to be here, Craig. Thanks for having me. Yeah, because I go, hey, will you draw a picture of us? And I thought you'd draw the classic little Calvin and Hobbes people you do, but you went like, you know, character thing, and I'm like, good Lord, I've got duffel bags <laughs> under there. So, so that really helped my self-esteem. Thanks, Jason. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, fellow podcast award nominee. Yes, neither of us won. Uh, and you know why. No. There was a, uh, a big controversy. You didn't Too know good. about this? No. Split vote. So, no, it wasn't a split vote. Somebody had uh, created a script. So nice. they, their people could every day vote, and they could vote for the same 17 people. So this block of voters with a large audience wiped out the awards. And so pretty much we didn't have a chance. Well, oh, you're both winners. You know no, that. No, no. That's right. Well, it would have been, been a tie between of course. my podcast, Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do, and... 
reality no check. And the fact that I really promoted it and he didn't, it still would have been a tie because <laughs> you don't need anybody. But of course, that's Tom Singer. Craig, it's a pleasure to be here. I think I've been on your podcast three times. This is your fourth time, I think, yeah. And like I said, you, your podcast is great, and I, I thought it was an achievement to have two XY guys, two NSA people on and on there. On the final, I thought it was great. I was yeah. honored to be next to you on that. I saw that, and I'm like, I'm screwed. I'm like, Tom Singers, <laughs> he's got, he's got a, a good, solid podcast with a great niche and a good audience, and he's the networking guy. I'm, I'm screwed. Yeah. And and it turned out we both were. Yeah. Uh, it's all good. <laughs> and my second love, my wife loves her. I love her. Um, anytime she's on a, a panel, I can get her on. I will. And she has kindly donated her room today. The lovely, the talented, the awesome Jess Pettit. <gasps> and the crowd Thank cheers. You. Thank you very much. And this is four for me too, isn't it? Uh, I think it's three or four because uh, I think it's three. I think you've been on one less because Tom's been on a couple just times. Make a longer lasting impression than. Well, Tom. you know what? You've been on enough of the. Um, you were on the live show. Mm -hmm. You so you've actually probably five or six now that I think about it because you've been on the roundtables, and all of yours have been exclusives. Right. So so sit downs. Yeah. Exclusive sit downs. Sit, yeah. sit downs or, or <laughs> I think one was on the phone. Usually, what happens is if I need something, I'll, I got who do I know, and I'll call them. Like I I had to do the emceeing last year. For Comic Palooza, and I'm like, oh, I've done it before, but I've not done it in a, on a large stage. So who do, who do I know who does that? Well, let's just borrow Tom's expertise for my podcast, and then I'll use it for myself. <laughs> and that's man. what I'm going to do today too. Um, I bring people I know who do a good job, who are successful in their industry. But if I have issues, I'll ask them questions. And so I asked other people questions, and the first thing that always came up is marketing. And I, I bring you guys up because you all do different things, and you all market yourself differently. Is there something going on this year that you've done differently to to market yourself that's worked or something you've tried this year that has not worked? Because this is the biggest marketing year I've done this year and it has not worked. So my, my biggest thing this year is I, I've learned that a lot of people hire me to do a keynote or to be their master of ceremonies, but they found me for something else. So they found me because the conference catalyst program I do is different and they say, oh, we can't afford it or we don't want that, but we want you to do a keynote. So this year I went out and tried something entirely different and that is I wrote a one-man show, but not a one-man show that I intended to perform like in an off-Broadway theater. I wrote a one-man show as a business-oriented keynote with actual learning objectives and a business theme and I wrote that with the intent of having something different to talk about. Because when you want to market, if you just say, hey, I'm a speaker and I'm really good, you look like 10,000 other people. And so I came up with this idea of this one-man show, and it's still being produced and, and, and sort of fine-tuned. But as I talk to meeting planners, it's fascinating how many people are like, ooh, that would be a little different. We would never do that. But <laughs> I was on your website, and you know your keynote would work. So I'm actually using that. Uh, as a turndown, you know, as a turndown, cut, cut through the noise, huh? to, cut, to cut through the noise. But also, I know that out there, there are some meeting planners who are willing to take risks and try new things. And especially if it's a multi-day event where they're going to have six keynotes, why not have one keynote be something out, you know, out of left field? And so I'm doing that so that I can market myself, not just as, hi, I'm Tom, I'm a keynote speaker. Yeah, because I, I, with the Conference Catalyst, and we've had this discussion many times, um, because I've tr I have things that are weird and are hard sells for meeting planners. That Conference Catalyst, you've taken a long time and, and developed it, and now it's not as much of a hard sell as it used to be. But when you first introduced these weird topics, everyone thinks meeting planners want cutting edge, and they really don't. 
Yeah, well, the, the conference catalyst, when I started it, the idea was is that I'm going to get up and I'm going to speak and I'm going to speak about how to make your conference better. And everybody was like, ooh, that's weird. And then they would hire me just to do a standard networking talk or whatever. But now there's other people who are duplicating the idea. I mean, there's some pseudo famous people who speak who go, oh, and what I'm going to do is get people to connect better at, at your conference. And it's like, oh, what a fantastic idea that I've been working on for eight <laughs> years. But because <laughs> other people in the marketplace are doing it. Not only is it getting sort of a stamp of, oh, this is a good idea, I've put it out there long enough where people are saying to some of these other people, oh, you're like the conference catalyst guy. And then they're thinking, well, why don't we just talk to Tom? So it's taken a long time, but by being different, other people have come along and now it's mainstream. That That's not even different anymore. Well, speaking of mainstream, Jess, you've seen the embraced capitalism in the last uh, year or so. Uh, you, were, you were left of Bernie. I am, um, I am still left of Bernie. Yeah. I just also have to pay my bills. And, and that would be Bernie Sanders, not the city of Bernie, Texas. She, she Believe me, only you know. About, I know Bernie and you know Bernie and everybody else is going, what the hell is Tom talking about? <laughs> uh, but you've, you've, you've changed a lot of things. I have. I, I think what I've done, it, it's interesting the connection between what I have typically called the entrepreneurial anti-capitalist and that I was spending a lot of money which then made me conscious of how much money I was spending. And so I think my biggest marketing change is that I've stopped doing things that cost money and doing more things with what I already have. Um, I think that my in the past, my marketing strategy was new, 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 and like postcards and send things out and push, 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 push. And But I really wasn't nurturing or taking care of the people who are actually interested already and working with the, I guess, my tribe, to use some of Jason's language, but like, my my people and then showcase what it is i already offer that they don't know about and so um it, the, that works well with kind of some of my problems with spending money but it's also making me a lot more money because it's building loyalty and i'm solving more and different problems with the same people and, and now that you're making more money are you sleeping at night or are you giving it to all the uh, people in the redwoods forest that you live in <laughs> <laughs> are you sharing it equally amongst your neighbors <laughs> Um, there's a lot of sharing happening. Uh, I, I, one of the conversations my partner and I talk about is a redistribution of wealth. So that's that's how we're politically wrapping it around as I look at Mary. So <laughs> Mary, who is a, a, on my Facebook page under religion, it says capitalist under yes. on my Facebook page under, um, you know, everything else. The answer is capitalist. I'm a, I am an absolute proud capitalist and am very happy to be a capitalist because I feel that when you have a business model that is making money, you can do a lot of good for the world. Right. As, as a lot of as a lot of, you know, um, I just came back from Nepal where I got to live with people who have never experienced electricity, sleeping on things that have never, of course, seen a washing machine because they've never heard of what those things are. And I, I do think that we are put on the planet to do good for other people. Um, but that starts with being able to sustain a business. And if you are in business and you're not, in fact, making money, then that is a hobby, not a business. I, I am one of the most uh, uh, lucrative hobbyists. At, at <laughs> and what I do is I try to go in and my tagline is to improve profit growth. And when I meet with people, I look at their products, goods, and services and try to address either the process improvement, the systematic issue at hand, or the leadership that is getting in the way of the obstacle which is moving forward. Can you so, tell she's an economist? Because I know. <laughs> on, there was, she used duress. She used a couple other words that I, I go, I don't normally use those in a, in a sentence. I saw a scrolling banner yeah. just yeah. In, in the middle of the There was thing. ticker tape coming yeah. out of her ears. She's so smart, she's saying though. the right things. I'm just, I was just giving Mary Kay, I'm like, dumb it down for me. That's <laughs> what I think is really important, though, and Mary, I was telling this before we got started, is that in the speaking industry, we have these like 
two false camps. One is I'm going to change the world. The other one's going to I'm going to pay my bills. But you can't do both well without the other. And reading your money book is actually one of the things that really helped me shift in that I have my own money story that's limiting my business. But I, it, there's a part of me that's comfortable with my business being limited, except then I can't change the world. So I'm going to have to change my business to be able to do that. And your book helped me get there. And your money book name? The money book. And thank you so Second much for that shameless plug. It's called Money Smart, How Not to Buy Cat Food When You Don't Have a Cat. I, I, yeah, I love it when the other people <laughs> plug other the other things. And, and, and again, well, and I we're have, dog people. So and and we're dog. Yep. And my other book, of course, is on dogs. So uh, the Master World book, shameless plug number three. So the issue behind the... This is why she's doing good. <laughs> and But I have given... But again, my business model with my books is very different from what most people do. Many people have the back of the room book sales and I don't do that. If you want to buy my books, you can go on Amazon or you can bulk order them and every attendee gets a copy. But when I go to an event, my books are not exactly for sale. What happens is I go to the the guy who's putting the silver on the table, I say, can I please borrow a pitcher, like a gla- a water pitcher? And I put it on the table in the back and my books are there. And I tell people, if you'd like a book, take a book. The recommended donation is $20. And all that money then goes to a local charity that the meeting planner and I have discussed ahead of time. So for example, let's say I've got a job in Austin and the meeting planner says, I'm madly in love with the German Shepherd Rescue of Austin. I go, great. That's going to be one of the three places where the donations from the book, quote, sales, because it's not a sale, goes today. So I would suggest if you're in Austin, you should go to the Kate Singer Foundation. (laughs) Um, I have. Endowment. I have. Yeah, that's endowment. endowment. Sorry. I have. Kate Singer I, Endowment oh, I, yeah, for craniofacial no, and, and research. I, and I'm I trying to plug have. everybody. So, I'm spinning plates here, folks. Yeah, I'm trying yeah. to do my best. And if you need a, if you need a good charity, then uh, that... Well, that, this actually brings up an Craig interesting Price thing. Human Fund. The, the Craig Price Fund is <laughs> no, a good the, thing to get to as well. Is where I get my money. Well, no, yeah. but you bring up an interesting point because we started by talking about marketing. So when I became a professional speaker, like before I was even full-time, I had a full-time marketing job, we started donating a small percentage of all my speaking fees to the children's hospital in our town, and we actually then branched out to the children's hospital in San Diego where my daughter, Kate, had her skull rebuilt as a six-month-old, and we tied a very small percentage of every speaking fee. And at the time, I had a full-time marketing job. I had a a corporate thing. It didn't matter. And we donated this money. Well, it's grown to over $60,000 over the time I've been a speaker, and we continue to give. And we've had good years and bad years and years we haven't met what we needed as a family, but we still give that small percentage. And I do it not for marketing. I do it because it's the right thing. My daughter Mm -hmm. went through something horrific that we had to deal with, and we mm-hmm. were so fortunate. She's 14. She's a straight A student. She's smart. She's beautiful. We, wanted- we get it, Tom. You've got a wonderful family. <laughs> we, but we wanted to give back. And so we created this endowment at both these two children's hospitals. But as a capitalist, it, it my clients like the fact that part of what they're doing, helping me grow my business, is it's helping grow a very good cause doing research for kids born with cranial facial issues. So mine is marketing, but it's also money multiplier. So again, so let's think about this. If you want to donate $20 to a good cause, you have to make $36. So for me to get a $20 donation to my cause, I then have to generate $36 before taxes and all those other things. But if I can get someone to donate $20 to a cause by getting a copy of my book, which costs me, you know, two to three to $4, then that 
that to me is a money multiplier and it's really good marketing. So the people who care about the things that I like, the things that I talk about are going to donate to that. It also then, some people say, well, I don't have cash or this, that, whatever. I go, great. Do me a favor, make a $20 donation to a no-kill animal shelter or a children's hospital or whatever in your city and think of me when you do it. And what it does is it shifts the relationship because I don't want Mm -hmm. a $20 relationship with other people. I am looking for a lasting relationship and all I want is for them to have my book so that when they say, gosh, you know, there was that woman who talked about something about leadership, something, something, what was her name again? They can find me on their bookshelf. Awesome. Great. And Jason, what I love about you is that you have incorporated your art into your marketing. Because so it's something you would do anyways. Uh, you've had been able to flip. So you even sell prints and calendars and all that stuff uh, using your artwork. T-shirts. t-shirts. You've got yep. a great little uh, merchandising uh, situation going on as part of your marketing, but it's also part of a revenue stream. Yeah, and it's really kind of a, It's I wouldn't say it's a new thing that I've done, but it's an evolution. I mean, at, we were at an NSA conference a couple years ago and I talked about this concept of must be nice, how it's easy to look at other speakers and, oh, he's a basketball player, he's playing the NBA, must be nice. Everyone oh, I wish I get in a him. car accident and lose a couple you know, legs because then I can <laughs> really, oh, I can so double wrong. my fee, I can double my fee. So wrong. <laughs> so lucky. Must be nice, Oh, buddy. you were a criminal for 20 years and now you make $100,000 a speech because you were a criminal? Good for you. I, mean, I need to break some laws. It's like Exactly. And so for me, it had been, I, I was sitting there kind of in this self-shaming sort of thing and realizing that I had a must be nice that I wasn't using as well as I yeah you could have, have a very must be with, nice with the art and so uh, for me it was like two whole separate things in my brain the art side and the speaking side and finally deciding to incorporating it into into one thing has been been huge um, this year I was just downstairs the art for the staging was me this year I designed the art that is going to be around the stage for the conference which is super cool, cool right so cow. yeah so I, I gotta go down there and see it's, it uh, it's one of the things that we're starting to offer as part of our offerings is like custom art for the conference for the pro- program brochure stuff like that if they have a specific theme that they can either license art that I've already done where Kim my wife will it's like here's a couple along this line especially stuff that like one of them we have coming up is uh outside not outside the box what's another like i'm not gonna i don't want to say this word but like breaking the mold and it's cliche. Like, oh, okay. one of the cliche, cliche yeah. yeah and so kim's like okay well here's six things six pieces of art jason's done that could fit that and it puts a whole different spin on it for people so yeah being able to incorporate more of who we are is has been something that has really been helpful for us and how do you market that um we we just we explain it and we give we have case studies of you know examples as kim is uh, putting a proposal together there'll be different tiers and examples of what we can offer people and then uh, show examples of what other people have done and stuff like that so i'm sure it's also been a situation where people have seen it because you've used it in your presentations or whatever right, yeah. and they ask how can we get that because even with me i'm not as nearly as talented as you i do some photographs and people are like oh how do i get a print of that and i'm usually it's a person and i'll go I'll just send you one. Because I've, de- I've got a picture you took hanging in my house that is of an elephant. And, and like, yeah, we have your you calendar in our yeah, but, I, but that's what I mean. If, I, if a client, if one person comes out of the blue, I would give it. But I don't have like a group of people wanting prints and prints and prints. No, but you're you're an awesome there's, photographer. There's, yeah. there's something in between what you're saying, what Mary's saying, what Jason's saying that's, that I think is really key. You catch that? And I'm, I'm good at what I do. I know. My One of my big takeaways from Jason this year at the CSP Summit was similar to like, what is your sucks to be you or whatever language you use. And 
one of the things that I didn't know was a skill because it's not about speaking. It's kind of my old life before I started speaking was writing curriculums. And so at the CSP summit, I just was talking to someone and they're like, I wish I had someone who could like go into my brain, hear what I'm doing and just like print out a participant handbook with like activities and stuff. And it's I was like, like organizational oh, development is called. Well, mm-hmm. I taught high school yeah. at like, sure, I can do that. But I didn't know that it was a thing because it's just something I do. You know, I can also fold a fitted sheet. I, that's what multi-talented. She's, I didn't a, know that she's was a, a witch. I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> is it? But, but we should, that you should be selling. I don't know what the hell you're doing. For the, for but the that record, is something that it you is make actually, money on. When we're talking about marketing, it's been my number one referral tools. I actually made a video of me folding a fitted sheet. And at the end of it, it says, you just watched her fold a fitted sheet. Imagine what she could do at your next event. <laughs> and it's actually working. But it's from Jay, it's all Jason. It's all your fault. But, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, but I'm have I have an entirely different revenue stream that I can do in my pajamas on an airplane. It doesn't even feel like work. I should probably not be saying this. It is a so far. It's a burden. Tell been, everybody it's a horrible burden. It's really hard. It takes a lot of skills. Um, <laughs> but I didn't know that it was a skill that other people didn't have. That's the key. So like your photography, like you go to zoos, you like animals, you have a camera. Like it well, doesn't feel like a thing to you. But for those of us that can't do it at all. Don't see the light. Don't see the balance. Don't see the the formation of the picture. It's a skill set, and I think what part of capitalism and running a business is really being able to share the tools and the gifts that you actually have that solve other people's problems. I absolutely agree. And if I might touch on that, many times people struggle with what should I be doing? And they make things harder than they have to be. So I ask the question, what is your comparative advantage? And what that means is, what do you do better than other people? And what can you do for a lower opportunity cost? So I could maybe design that curriculum and manual, but I'm not as good at it as you are. So this is where a lot of times I think speakers and entrepreneurs sabotage themselves because they either think I have to do everything and they don't do some major pieces well mm-hmm. and they're afraid to outsource because they're either afraid of the cost or they're not they don't think they're going to manage the project or they're just unwilling to give up that element of, of control. And we tend to take what you were saying we we take for granted the stuff we're good at because it's easy to us. And so we t- we typically it doesn't, really it doesn't feel like work, doesn't feel like a big deal and that's uh, well, one of I the I have challenges. taken your lead uh, as you were talking about the photography. So I have a gig coming up uh, where it's uh their th- their theme is superheroes. Perfect for mm-hmm. you. Well, of course it's perfect for me because I do the Comic-Con stuff, but what I've also done is I have so I, you want to use a lot of pictures of superheroes, but you can't because it's copyright infringement. Mm-hmm. But I learned that if you buy Legos Mm. and take pictures of the Legos. Is that what all those Lego things have been seen? That's exactly that's what awesome. it's for. You think I'm collecting Legos? I'm 43 well, years old. I, Craig currently I, has us all dressed I'm up as superheroes. He's I going could. to take pictures. <laughs> it's going yeah, to be hideous. You bought the Star Wars outfit. Yeah. I don't want to see my tights. <laughs> but, I'd be the last one to judge but, on But that. what I'm doing is I'm replacing all the business people I use, the Warren Buffetts, the Stephen Jobs that I use in, my, in things, and then replacing them with their counterpart in... Uh, superheroes nice. by taking pictures of the Legos because that I won't get copyright problems with because mm-hmm. I own the figure and I'm taking a picture of my property versus taking an image off. So I'm trying a little bit. If Once I figure out how to put animals in it, then I'll, I maybe have something. But anytime I can prove that I've got some, uh, I can use what I've already got without costing a fortune, I right. try to do it. Well, and everything that we're saying here goes back to how you sort of started the show is, is what can you do to market yourself that's different? And, you know, you have your art and you do the thing with your books, how you give them away that's very unique. And my mind is spinning as I listen to that thinking I need to be doing what Mary does. That's how you get and your business card on shelves. As right. a publisher, yes, you should definitely. Well, yeah, as Mary's a publisher, I probably want my books to get out more. Duh. <laughs> but and, and the whole thing with, you know, the one man show that I wrote. I mean, the, the thing I think a lot of speakers make a mistake when they come into the business is they look and they say, oh, I want to be like 
Tony Robbins or I want to be like Harvey McKay or they pick out some icon. You know, I'm obviously older than a lot of people. I'm sure there's some like younger icons, but they, they pick these people and then they say, I want to be like them. And they start molding themselves into speaker man or speaker woman and all of their marketing materials. You go to their websites and everybody's website looks alike and you read and and I speak on the three fingernails of leadership or whatever. And everybody starts to look the same and then they buy wonder. Book. Yeah, you, you, you <laughs> I bought, would buy it. Yeah, you would buy the great. Three fingernails yeah. of that. Yeah. <laughs> and I walk in the room and they're like, whoa. <laughs> well, I love the fact that Tony Robbins is now um, he so he spent his whole career building up the motivational speaker to the point where he is the stereotypical when people think of motivational speakers the first person they think of is Tony Robbins and now currently he's got his documentary out I'm not a guru I'm not your guru where he is like demolishing the the stereotype that he's created so it's it's pretty nice that you can create a stereotype ruin it and then and make money to make money dismantling it dismantling it well, it's well, fantastic well, kind of what we're to touch on that what we're all talking about is like you said so you look at someone you want to be and then everyone, you're trying to be that person. You're never going to be, you're only going to be the second best version of that person. And right. what it really comes down to is finding those little personal things that we can do better than anyone else or that then it's taking, if you can figure out a way to bring the superheroes and the animals into what you do, like, well, that, it sounds ridiculous, so but what, it's magic there. What was the step that you took when you finally decided, wait a second, I got the, I, I have this art skill because you're fantastic at it. Not just the, like the, the, when you, the baggy eyes that you were so accurate, <laughs> um, but everything you've done. And for years, I've seen the stuff that you were doing because you did the comic strip for a mm -hmm. little bit and you were trying to do that. Right. But you weren't incorporating that at the time I knew you. Right. What was the switch that said, wait a second, who, who said something or what did you experience where you said, I need to add this more? Um, I don't remember. I will say this. I think when all my life, what, I, what I've been really good at is drawing and capturing likenesses of other people. And uh, many of you guys know Scott Ginsburg. He has, he's a friend of mine. He's got a great line that said, cover bands never make the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And I think that when I was growing up, I was drawing portraits of athletes and movie stars and stuff, and I was really good at it. But for me, those were like, I was a cover band. I was copying other people's pictures their thing and then as i started to get a little bit older and started to make my own art i realized i had something to say and so once my art shifted from copying other things and merging out or bringing out what i had to say it was matching up with the message of my speeches and so it kind of naturally came together but it did take that sort of light bulb moment to realize like this is a skill of mine why the hell am i not using it well and for me as a kid, I wanted to be an actor, and I always told people that's what I wanted to do. I was really involved in junior high and, and high school theater. I did a little community theater, and I wanted to do it, and I never pursued it. And part of it was I was just a wimp. I wasn't brave enough. You know, people said, oh, it's hard, and most people fail out. And my parents both grew up in Los Angeles. They saw a lot of people go to Hollywood and get involved with drugs and different things over years. And so they weren't real big fans of it. So they never helped me. They never promoted it. They said, go get a regular college degree, and then if you want to do it, do that. Well, all of a sudden, you're 25, you're married, your first kid's on the way. You know, you can't chunk it all and go be an actor. So I buried that. And this last year, it sort of bubbled up. And that's where the one man play came from. And then also, I got cast in a short movie. Well, I was gonna say, what was the what the bubbling up? What? What was the Alka-Seltzer that dropped in the water for you? Well, I, I, I went through Did you like that analogy? Love that. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Yeah, no, they're not sponsors. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I was. But they could be. Oh, is this a midlife crisis? This well, you know, I think I don't think I went through a midlife crisis. I went through a midlife little hiccup. But uh, I think part of it was turning fifty. The other thing was, 
I went through a thing where I realized I wasn't necessarily happy all the time. And I put on this facade that, hey, everything's going well. And I hid it from myself. It turns out there's a thing called hidden sadness that a lot of middle-aged people go through. And I read about it and I'm like, well, holy cow, that was me. Well, that makes me feel uh, uh, tremendously better because, uh, again, we get the syndrome where we see people from a distance. I see you. I know you. You're, you're, you're a great guy as a person, not just like a great speaker. You're a great Human guy. You've got great kids. Oh, excuse me. You've got a great wife. And the fact that you still have, you know, something wrong. Right. No. It's very comforting because it, it, it makes me feel normal because I have all kinds of screwed up situations. But I think one of the problems is we all get here and there's so many different business models and we tend to compare ourselves to the people around us. Yep. And I think this idea, and it's it's competition in a good way, but then we look at these people that we think are wildly successful or wildly amazing or whatever and we somehow feel like we have to pattern after that instead of being what's really good for us. Right, so, and, and we, we don't get see their fourth divorce, their kids don't talk to them. And we right. get around a lot of speakers and a lot of people and I'm not pointing fingers at anybody but a lot of people try to put on airs that there's something bigger than they are and this year part of what I realized is you know what I'm really good at what I do I enjoy it I have a lot of clients I'm you know of all the people who've ever wanted to go be a speaker I've, I've fed my family I send my kid to a good college we get it Tom you're a good speaker <laughs> get it you're fantastic you know you're a mock family. me all you want but the, but the fact <laughs> is I will. I will but the fact is is that I'm comfortable with who I am. You should be. And I don't have to put on airs. And so as I started going through this, discovering what I was going through, I started thinking about the acting thing. And I, I mentor a guy who is a young actor. And he he got me cast into a short. And it was like a fun, it, it was a fun thing to be able to be in this movie. I just, and I got cast as a speaker. I'm actually giving a speech type, in the movie. Type cast. So I'm a little typecast. <laughs> well, you also have that look too because oh. you look like a speaker. You're a good looking guy. Like, we'll put him up there and he'll do a, right. as right. a speaker. Plus he's really good at what he does. But yeah, 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 well, yeah. smart ass. But, <laughs> you are. But, but I put this thing together and all of a sudden by incorporating this into my life, into my, my speaking, now part of the thing I'm teaching people when I talk to them is what did you want to do as a kid? Find that. Mm-hmm. What is it? Because that has been a life changer for me. I think that's our whole life is the slow process of figuring out how to implement the things you wanted to be as a kid. Like in the in the core, not like, well, I wanted to be an astronaut, so I need to go join NASA. It's like, no, I have a sense of discovery. I loved science, whatever it is. And it's like bringing those pieces back to us is a slow evolution that we experience. But it's also product differentiation. And we are a product, whether mm-hmm. or not we like to say that or not, we are a product, totally. we are bought and sold. And so when someone rejects me, Mary Kelly, they're not rejecting my products, they're rejecting me. And that's a deeply personal thing that frankly, a lot of people can't handle that that kind of rejection. It's, it's like constantly dating, constantly trying to find a job and being turned down. So there's a level there that I think we also have to acknowledge in terms of having a thick enough skin to be in this business and understand it's a numbers game. You have to market. You have to be aware of where things are, but you also have to market smart. And that's making sure that people understand your product differentiation, what's different about what you bring when you come up to the table, to the conference, to the event versus somebody else. And that's where I think when if your stuff looks exactly the same as everybody else's stuff, then you probably have a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting. So yesterday I went to some of the Cabot Institute and I try to go every year because I just learn something all the time when I'm in that space, even though it's designed generally for like newer speakers or newer to NSA folks. It really is like a boiled down thing without all the ego and flash and sequence and that kind of piece. And what I, I think is really important is that I know in my own business, as I have been trying to shift from primarily the college market to more corporate association work, or at least some corporate association work, 
I wanted to be different. I'm used to being the different one. Like that's been like a life story. <laughs> no. I know, shakaroo. But I was trying to be less different so that I was still different, but I wasn't whoa different. More same, less different. So it's just like <laughs> I, I literally, in my own world, was like, so not navy blue, but not fluorescent orange. Hey, navy's awesome. So mm-hmm. I, I just I, want to point that out. I know it's a color. <laughs> so I realized as soon as I said that, dumb, she's <laughs> to me. It's a color. So, it's a color. Navy's great. It's my a entire color. career is just reduced to a color. Yeah. So, I love the football team. So what's interesting is, is that so I, I probably. Um, and, and Tom, you're in my mastermind group. Y'all are my friends, so you're going to be like, duh. But somebody listening doesn't know this, and I think this has been my biggest learning lesson this year, is that I have been trying to be different in a way that was more similar to other people who are trying to be different. And in doing that, I have been playing so small. And so, like, I, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to focus on this. I'm just going to do this. And then literally one day recently, the phone rang, and it was an organization that I would be so honored to be able to speak there. It wouldn't be work. I'm not nervous about what I'm going to say because I should be their speaker and not in an ego way, but like, yes, this is a fit. And they were having their national conference in Tennessee. They Tennessee passed legislation that's anti-LGBT related. They need someone who's a practitioner, who does politics, current events. That's also fun. I am the freedom and confidence I feel for the first time for a big event that's very different than kind of what I've been doing for the last 10 years is the most confidence building thing I've ever had. And what what's interesting is, is that instantly in that moment, I knew that I was exactly the right kind of different. Mm-hmm. It, I'm exactly what they're looking for. And it, I haven't experienced that. And what I what is interesting is as soon as that one happened, I looked back and I could have been experiencing that all along, but I was in my own way. And I was hearing, okay, I could fill that slot or, okay, I can try and do that. And my approach to the work was feeling like they're doing me the favor. And this was the first time slapped in my face, I'm solving their problem. And now like it it has shifted all the phone calls, it shifted sales calls, it shifted marketing calls, referral calls, like I'm clear. But I could have been clear so much longer ago if I had believed in me. And I have to say that 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 is the number one issue that I'm seeing in corporate America right now. And we just did two and a half years of research, um, over over 10,000 leaders and 100,000 employees surveyed. And this idea of not being clear about the vision and the purpose of what it is we do and why we do it confuses people. And it costs us wasted time, wasted resources, wasted energy. And so one of the things I try to do with all my entrepreneurs, not just speakers, is to get them to fill out and really articulate clearly. I call it a five-minute vision plan. It only takes five minutes if you're crystal clear on what you do. But if you don't know what you're doing, then it's going to take a lot of work. So a vision idea and then a one-page business plan that that makes sure that you are targeting exactly the best fit for you. And I think for speakers, I think it, you have to have that, right? You have to be honest of who am I, who do I serve? And then I think what we said before is I think that if you put on airs on the outside, I think you start to believe that and then you're not really clear. If you're pretending you're something you're not as a speaker so that you look right for the client, I think it undermines the success of your business over the and long run. And they can run. tell. People can tell. You can tell when someone has a bigger head, when they're trying to fake it. Like, or buy their own we are not. We are not as good at, at faking as we think we are. And if anybody needs help with that, you know, you can come to Colorado and I'll like bring you down to the barn. You can shovel manure. It's a very grounding experience, I promise. <laughs> I think the, one of the great ironies of NSA is like, 
you look at the people who are successful are the ones who are not like anyone else. And what you said earlier is like our job is to differentiate ourselves from everyone else. And yet we come to a conference where many of the speakers stand on stage and say, this is how you're supposed to do it. This is how I did it. It's how you do it. And, and we're tempted to model ourselves after everything else we're doing is the exact opposite of what we're supposed to do. It's like the tribal tattoo phase. Everybody had tribal tattoos to be different. It's like, no, you don't. If everybody has the same tribal tattoo, you're not different. I went to art school. They all wore black and black fingernails. Like, you realize you're not being unique. You're you're a conformist. You're just a non-conformist conformist. conformist. I was just at a high school reunion and a girl who prided herself when we were in high school about being a non-conformist. She and I had this conversation about, she goes, I might have been the biggest conformist of all of you. She goes, you wore alligators on your shirt and khaki pants and I called you a conformist she goes and I wore leather studded collars and black jackets and black eyeliner to be an anti-conformist she goes but when I look back at the pictures I was conforming as much as everybody and I was like wow and yesterday at the Cavett Institute and just you were there when Lori Guest said mm. um, shameless plug Lori um, awesome yay Lori um, yes. yay Lori yes, we saw, love love her so much but she says she made the point to tell everybody she said there's a lot of ways to do it you're going to get a lot of opinions and advice you have to take what works best for you and i think that is why why this is such a great industry and why we are so lucky to be part of it and make this our career because there is there's no one way there's no one right way and you can you can take what other people do you can do give get some ideas but ultimately this is a deeply personal business and you have to do what's right for you well and that so i mean i'm so glad that you're bringing this up because that's what connects everything that we've talked about is that the work is trusting yourself the work is knowing yourself and discovering what pieces of you you you, you need to know the easy part is this stuff that we do that did you see that censorship the stuff that we do to replicate other people you do you i know i'm uh, doing me with a little bit of a censorship so because mary's audience because we haven't this. actually broken that seal yet we're 35 minutes in and we haven't it's like broken impressive. the seal i know but so i mean even that's an example right so like i i don't mind putting in a cussing filter so that i don't shut doors but i'm gonna give you my ideas Right, so mm-hmm. I, I have a, an ongoing joke that if I'm wearing Spanx, then I get to say whatever I want. If I'm not wearing Spanx, <laughs> I'll put in other filters. But what, Mary, what? So you're, the Spanx is the filter. Okay, got it. Yeah, because right. it squeezes constantly. Okay, okay. It squeezes okay. the profanities <laughs> down and pushes uh, them away. Okay, but, but I think that what what's really key is what works for you individually. That's the hardest thing to figure out. And so it's so much easier to buy that dress or that suit or come up with this or have the one sheet or now have a podcast or do whatever they are doing because none of it has anything to do with your core being. Yes, but at the same time, you have to be honest about what the market will bear. Mm -hmm. Because again, if you've got something that nobody will buy, then guess what? That is not a business. Mm -hmm. So you have to look at what the market is, but you have to look at what the market is. Exceptional obvious. Exceptional obvious. But you can, but just because the current market where you've been mining for perhaps leads or events or gigs if you're not getting anything from there, you might be swimming in the wrong pond. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the things that you can talk to other people and say, hey, you know, I've got this very unique thing or I'm I'm unique in this. Where should I be going for leads? Where should I be directing my marketing? Because at the end of the day, and I hate that phrase, but ultimately <laughs> in our- at the beginning of the day? <laughs> we really can. I'm I get really up really early. I know. I'm a, middle, I'm a middle of the day guy. But we have to, we have to be able to generate income. 
Because if we're not, then it's not, again, it's just not a business. Well, it goes back to capitalism and oddly social justice. So here's my friend Gandhi, right? Is that in order to change the You're world, friend with Gandhi? You don't know wow. Gandhi. She oh, doesn't so Gandhi. She doesn't know the so Gandhi. Cool. I have read a book. He did. And we, his own people assassinated him. You That's would be friends if he was alive today and in this room. Probably just because yeah. he was such a pain in the butt. Be anyway, so um, a Gandhi quote is, in order to change the rules, you have to play with play by the rules that are in place long enough to change them. Yeah. Right. So if capitalism is where we're at and this again, quoting like going back to your book, Mary, but the, if capitalism is where we're at and that's the tools of change in this current culture, then I got to get into that game. Keep in mind the only thing that has ever raised people out of abject poverty is capitalism. That is what works. You have to give people an option so that they have a means to support themselves. You have to make money to not be poor? It's it's a crazy idea. (laughs) How the hell does that work? I know it's a crazy idea. Sounds (laughs) suspicious. I know. (laughs) I know. But but going in all seriousness, going back to the points of the speakers is that in this world, there are certain tools and certain rules that we have within this industry. And you're going to have to play with those tools and those rules. And if it's not turning a profit, you need to change what you're doing. Absolutely. And the one part of that where I think we can help each other is we've got to refer each other. We've got to see each other, refer each other, support each other, and champion each other. So I want to, I want to really quick quote Ross Bernstein out of Minneapolis. And he says that after he finishes a speech, he tell, he knows two things are absolute. That association will have a conference next year. Yep. And they don't want the same keynote speaker. So he always refers people. And he says, you know, this is what you should do. I started doing that years ago. And every speaker I talk to says, oh, I do that too. And almost every meeting planner I talk to goes, wow, I wish more speakers would do that. So there's a disconnect. And you are absolutely right, Mary. We have to refer other people because you don't have to refer people you've seen personally because you're not going to be able to because I haven't seen I've only Tom, you're the only person I've seen live on stage uh, do something at a real event, not NSA but actually do it. But I would recommend Mary Kelly in a second. Well, because you've grown I, to trust her. No, but I, but, but even still, my meeting planner, if they're looking for an economist or a leadership person, at least I'm giving them some place to start. Mm-hmm. They're not asking you to give them the world. They're just looking for some suggestions and they'll do some backup look. They'll, they'll, they're not going to just take my word for right, it. They don't go, hire everybody I recommend. Right, they, but, but they, they definitely look at somebody and, at and, them, and they right. appreciate the help. So I think a lot of speakers need to get off that, well, oh, I only recommend people I see because I don't want to ruin my reputation. It's like, no, no. I recommend people who I think would be a good fit and I let them know, hey, I haven't seen this person, but I know Mary Kelly's really good at what she does and let them do some of the legwork. They're really grateful just to have a starting point because a lot of times they don't know where to look. Yeah, so putting the caveat, which we'll do is like, oh, I haven't seen him or her speak, but I've heard good things and I think they might be, you know, that alone, that little caveat is a way to- gives you the out. Yeah, mm-hmm. so not your vouching for their right, and, but I think a lot, a lot of the speakers I hear will say, "I won't, I won't recommend anybody I haven't seen." I go, "Well, how many speakers have you really seen?" Because especially if you're at a lower tier, like I'm not a ten thousand dollars speaker. A lot of the events I go to, I will never see an NSA speaker. If I see one NSA speaker in an event a year, it's amazing. So I, it's hard for me to recommend an NSA speaker. The other thing that I've said a lot of people say, kind of not, they wouldn't say it on the podcast, but a lot of people will say is they're like, well, but I, I really want them to hire me next year. So I try to just pitch myself. The truth is, is that happens to me like twice a year. So if I'm speaking 50 times and two are rehiring me, I'm better off referring someone else and getting that pay it forward thing going. I'll get more than that one or two over a lifetime if I'm outwardly referring. So I think we have to make it a habit. I think when you outwardly refer to what happens is you become a valuable resource. Yes. Yeah. So I've had people that I've spoken with or working with, worked with for years ago who I made referrals at the time 
And they've circled back to me and said, we keep thinking about you because we think you're going to know the right person. And it has nothing to do with what I would do. I don't see it as direct competition. But like, sure, I have access to a great Facebook group. I have this, I have this. So I'll post things and then I'm able to send those names out. But that's all top of mind. And right? then three or four years later, when they're ready to cycle back to you, they haven't forgotten you. Right. That's, that's the number one reason. The, the, po- the only thing I use the podcast for businesses for is when people go, who do you know? And so I'll get a project management group going, oh, Craig, we want you for the keynote speaker. Great. Yeah. Oh, I'm having a hard time finding breakouts. Do you know any project management people? Go to realitycheckpodcast.com. There's a search function. Type in project management. You're going to get six or seven people. I can verify that those are all good people. Now, have I seen them speak? No. You can listen to the podcast and listen to them. And I've actually gotten people hired from it. So one of the things that I get a lot of flack from from podcasting folks, not speaker folks, podcasting folks, is that I don't have a niche. Yeah, you Tom, do. Breathing people. Breathing people. But that's that's not a niche because everybody. That's like, oh. It that, is a category. But that's like a speaker. Who do you speak to? Anybody that will write a check. It's like, no. <laughs> but Tom's got a niche. He talks about entrepreneurship. And he, so he's got a great podcast. He's got a, a thing that's going to grow. The first two, year or two, the podcast that I do is not successful because it, no one understands it. The fact that it's lasted that long, now all of a sudden my niche is that I don't have a niche. And I'm the only one that will talk to anybody. And that builds your reputation. So that, that helps. So it's really important, like I said, to recommend. It's also a great marketing tool, and we've talked about this before, but it's also a great marketing tool for your interview skills, your oh, sure. skills, mm-hmm. because you truly can talk to anyone. You make it entertaining. You make it relevant. You make it flow. Like, it in itself is a great marketing tool for you. That was not your point, but I had to So let's see, as we wrap it up, because we're running out of time, and I we've got some hard outs for some folks, and I really appreciate all your time. Let's, instead of plugging ourselves... We're going to plug another person at the table. So this is really, how much do we really know people? So make sure to go to TomSinger.com or ConferenceCatalyst.com because Tom does a great job of doing, because I've actually seen you do this. He's fantastic. When the one-man show comes out, uh, give it a chance. I haven't seen it. I'm just going on pure one-man <laughs> wow. show reputation. Wow. That's a I ringing endorsement. A, give a ringing endorsement. That's going to be on the log sheet. Craig Lord said, knows. give it a chance. Tom is rolling the freaking dice with his one-man show as a keynote. <laughs> but maybe, a he'll, maybe he'll get It'll be ones. on the poster. For give it a chance. What else are you going to do I've, that day? I have read at least two drafts of it, and it is not terrible. So there Tom, so Not so, terrible. So That's so a tagline right there. I've referred Tom, uh, which I've done more than enough times, and I will always do. Refer someone else. Well, first of all, all four of the people here at the table have been on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do, and all of them were such fantastic guests that it drives me crazy, and you should go listen to, to them on my show. and on, Or on my show. Or, or on his show. But, <laughs> Not on my show. But uh, I am going to go. It would be really easy for me to refer Jess because I'm in her mastermind group. My kids think of her as like their fake aunt. but uh, So we're really close. But I am actually going to pick Mary Kelly as the person that I am going to. Oh, a double referral. You I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> And 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 I would and I would have picked Jason Kotecki because he is so talented. But I'm going to pick Mary Kelly. You notice he didn't mention me at all, <laughs> like he did in the podcast for years. Damn, you can't. That's for, a running joke. For us. for the record, you can't win with Craig no. Price. Just for the record, no. You I'm are. just that's a running joke between you because I didn't have you on the podcast. I was on yours three times and <laughs> never had you on mine, but I did. So I'm going to pick Mary oh, Kelly right. because you know the interesting thing is, first of all, we live in a time where we really do, as a society, sort of embrace and honor people who have served. And she was a commander in the Navy and has really done that and then has taken what she learned in leadership in the Navy and has turned that into a big portion of her career. And what I think is great about Mary is she's just real. You know, she'll sit and have a glass of wine with you and she'll tell you. She'll have more than a glass (laughs) or six, but she will tell you 
if you if you're her client, what you need to know about leadership, but also she's really good when it comes to the. We said she's an economist about the money side. I can remember a couple of years ago, I was struggling. You know, my business would go up and it would go down, and she was on me about some stuff about retirement. I barely even knew her, and she gave me some advice that I actually took to heart. So I think what's good about Mary is she's extremely well rounded. She'll give you her opinion, but then she's also a sweetheart. So I plug Aww. Mary. Kelly. I'm going to book her now. Good Aww, job. Thank you. So that means Mary Kelly. You can plug some plug someone else for for once. Wow, that's so great! So, <laughs> I'm we've, so had, we've had three book I'm, plugs. Yeah, and then I, Tom I, just gave you the. We're, and you, we'll get it transcribed. You'll have a great testimonial for your website. That is so fantastic. I'm just going to replay that over and over and over. So thank you. I'm very the six glasses of wine. The part? Six glasses of wine. So um, and one of the things I'm doing marketing, and I wish I brought it. Um, I have now started a wine label around my my books. So I have I have wine leaders fail Merlot. I have stop the barking. Um, an Italian Barbara. That is awesome. It's really good and then i've got time for a change because change management is one of the things i do um carmenere or carmenere i don't actually know how to pronounce it because i'm not that snobby and well after a couple drinks again but i'm <laughs> so this is like a new fun marketing thing because it brings together some of the things i like so thank you for mentioning the the wine um i will also have it at general session and that is why i have a large purse okay um so i would like to plug jason and i'll tell you why i have watched his business grow and jason is everything mentally i am not i don't see 3d um all of you right now just look like images on paper to me uh i i don't have his ability to circle around and visualize things and so there's i don't think there's anybody as an artist that does who does what Jason does and nobody brings to a conference event the things that Jason does because he will he sees things in such a different way that my finance people my bankers my my practice managers they don't see it that way either and that's why they need Jason in business you need somebody who doesn't think like you if you both think alike it's easy to hire likes but you gotta hire somebody who sees things from a totally different perspective um, also I love the fact that Jason you work with Kim and she is She's she's like your best. Talk yeah, about married well. Oh, yeah, oh my God. Well, actually, uh, dude, most you of, did great. I think Talk most about of married up. married well. You I, did great. Yeah. So um, I really want to give a shout out to Kim, who I adore, and I would I would guarantee she doesn't even know who I am. So I would like to just promote you to all my friends I and relatives. I second that Kim motion. Yep. Kim is awesome. Kim she is helped awesome. me with my so marketing thank you. back when it was working. So thank you. That's <laughs> very sweet. And yes, I, married up is an understatement. It's like <laughs> penthouse level. Um, oh, all right. that's even better. Yeah. I don't think that's what he meant. I'll kick a penthouse. Take it how you want. Uh, <laughs> Him with, the, uh, with all his kids, it must be working. Go ahead. I, I, I could say you got the easiest amazing one. thing. Well, what about you? Oh, no, because you're the last one. Yeah, but then oh, she'll have to do something. Oh, I'm so tired. Go so ahead. I could do either of you. That also sounded bad. <laughs> that oh, sounded Jason. bad. We really took it. Wait, will Kim be there? <laughs> um, okay, I'll, I'll. And will it be photographed? Real quick. We have dinner with Craig almost every night because we have uh, my daughter. We bought his calendar for her. She loves animals, and it's in the kitchen, and uh, it's phenomenal. Like I, my dream is for you to figure out how to combine that with what you do somehow. I'm not sure how, but I, I just have to take a quick shout out of that because I can't be said enough. What a great eye you have, and also the uh, crusty demeanor that he has, uh, and this this sort of cynical guy is. There's like a little squishy marshmallow underneath, and he's yeah, just like one a, of them. There's a little puffball going. <laughs> yeah, there's on. a. He's the gooey I, center. I, I, I totally agree, but it's, it's definitely the the like, like like last night our wounded warrior lady. Mm -hmm. so she's like, you have a dynamic personality. Why are you so? How are you like this? And I said, my parents screwed me up. <laughs> but it's really weird because I, I I'm 
I, when I when I find people I like and trust and respect, like here, I I'm, I have no problems being nice. <laughs> but I don't like to interact it's with not, a lot of people. It's not my default. Yeah. It's not what he wants to show the no, other yeah. one. It's, but, like, it's, too, it's too taxing with, the, with regular civilians. But I, 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 what I really wanted to, I wanted to shout out Jess to, so I'm cheating a little no, bit. No, I'm breaking the rules. Not, not, the rule. It's a rule. Um, so I don't know that I would be the, I, I certainly don't think I'd be the exact opposite of Jess in many ways. We have very uh, similar wardrobes. We do. We do. Uh, pol- pol- politically, <laughs> politically, we're we're fairly far apart. But I've never met anyone who has been so passionate about what she does and yet so um, open-minded and kind to be able to. Um, make a conversation happen. And I think that's one of your superpowers is to be able to talk about issues and topics that are inherently very controversial and actually have a real conversation happen rather than fighting and shouting and name calling and all that sort of stuff. So of the many, many superpowers you have, that's one of my favorite ones that you have. Um, and uh, the the fact that that we are friends is cool i think because it, it there is it's weird, but it's weird, but but that's what i think like in our in our climate today everything is set up to be black and white and there's it's almost never black and white there's like certain things we all we agree on and there's certain things we don't agree on and there's a whole lot of stuff in the middle and so i think that's that that our friendship is a perfect example of that so first off this time thank you very much for saying that because this is it's hard it's hard to knowingly do and keep doing what I am doing, knowing that I'm probably not going to make significant measurable difference before election day or by tomorrow or by next year. And my heady measurement needs like that. It really means a lot to me because it's not actually about it's not actually about the measurable progress. It's about the respect and kindness and civility we can actually show one another because that's actually what holding difference means. So that timing wise, I really need that. Thank you. Um, I remember, I think it was CSP Summit, but I took my laptop out and Jason's <laughs> sticker is in my on my laptop. And Jay, I'm, I, I would consider you one of my friends, I mean, way before I think we even knew what my name was because I just pretend we've known each other forever. <laughs> and literally Jason's looking, like does a double take at my computer and was like, I made the computer? And what I think is really key. And next I, to the, I think there's an Obama sticker right next to it too, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So it's like, wow, that's heavy like, praise right there. And uh, Ruth Ginsburg probably is also on there. Anyway. Yeah. Notorious uh, RBG. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't put my Bernie sticker on there yet because I still have hope. Anyway, so. Um, that's cute. But, that's so cute. <laughs> hope, hope springs eternal. It's so cute. It's going on there though. Um, what I think is, what, what I think is really important to understand is that there is something in each person when you show up ready to receive real friendships among speakers that the ego can't doesn't have legs anymore right so like your stickers on my thing because i need to remember that this is fun and that's really hard for me to do when i'm constantly overwhelmed with shit that's not fun Oh, God, oh, the last oh, minutes we had a customer. Explicit tag. Not I'm not even going to beat that out. You're just so good. I'm so no. proud of you. 52 minutes oh, in and you're no, just. No space. Anyway, um, that's important, right? Like, Mary, like being able to connect with you, not just from your books, but like 
I really need help and I really have a quick question. You don't know this, but before we ever even sp talk to each other, you immediately replied to a question I had in one of our Facebook groups. We engaged in like a 20 back and forth message. You solved a problem before you knew who I was. And I think that, that that's the best thing that your clients or potential clients need to know about you is that you have all of the legs of the things that we're terrified to talk about mm. in a package that's accessible and friendly and available. Wow. Um, so, and you have been that person since before we met. So that's important. Craig, with your podcast, what I think is really key is your ability to market yourself through what you do. So a lot of us say like our best marketing tool is like hearing us speak or hearing us do things. But your gift of making people feel welcome, loved, seen, and heard is unbelievable. And it's not just through your podcast, but it's through like the videos I've seen of your work or the panels that you've moderated or your keynotes or your workshops. And I know somewhere in your squishy center, you know that that's your gift or you would be, you'd have a day job by now. Yeah, but, just, it's just marketing it. Yeah, but it it's a... I like what Mary Kelly was like, you, you, at some point I'll figure it out and I have that hope that I will figure it out because I, I know I've got something, I just don't know how to present it. It's like cook, I'm like, like learning how to cook a steak. I don't know how to make it a tartare where people don't gag. Right. Well, but I will. You'll figure it oh, out. Someday. And then Thank I you. guess because as the, I think everyone has been shouted outed, but Tom, I mean, but you are in my mastermind group and we know each other way too well. A little too much information. Probably. But um, what I think is really key and it actually came up in this podcast is that for you to be able to say you have a good family, you have a good business, you're a good speaker, you're a good man, you're a good person. What is interesting is, is that we're going to hear in the hall those kind of sentences a lot as if they're measurements of worth. But what the work that you have done in the last several years, those aren't measurements of worth. They're just facts now in your life. So it's not coming from an ego measurement place. It's coming from a place of contentment. And you've gotten so much more powerful and watching the work that you're doing with your audiences and your coaching programs and things like that now is you're helping other people find that power because you are able to be yourself as the resource and not your business as the resource. Well, this has ended up in a love fest that I wasn't expecting. <laughs> and I'm not I love you guys. I'm, I love you, man. And I'm not entirely comfortable with. Um, <laughs> Conferencecloser.com. <laughs> but I, I want to thank everybody for taking their time to be here. Um, the fact that you, I love you guys because you guys are open, honest, and I don't think I could have had this discussion with just any random speaker out of the hallways. Uh, it's important that uh, we talk about certain things and, and be able to talk about it regardless of who's listening. Because so that's what I think. We're talking as a people, not as speakers. Mm -hmm. uh, it just happened to have expertise in it. So thank you very much. Thank you. And, thank you. Thank you. This is so fun. And, and, and another again. another great round table. I can't, next year we just need to get NSA to get it back on stage. Ah, well, that'd be that's really my good. goal. That'd be awesome. That's the show. Thanks to Mary, Jason, Tom, and Jess for coming on. Man, there was a lot of editing to do on this one. Like the show on Facebook, leave a review on iTunes, subscribe to the newsletter at realitycheckpodcast.com. While you're at the site, download the app and send any questions, comments, or guest suggestions to Craig at speakercraigprice.com. See you next week.
Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.